Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is when you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Just kind of talk about a little bit of, just, I guess, the conversation that happened with the, uh, with, the, with the transition from, you know, the cornerback until what the conversation was like moving to the safety position. Uh, well, honestly, man, it really wasn't a conversation. Like, I had heard about it. And, you know, after my second year, you know, we went into the lockout. Um, but the defensive staff with the Houston Texans had got fired, and they hired uh, Wade Phillips. And so when Wade got the job, you know, that's when I started hearing, hey, man, Wade's going to want you to play safety because Wade likes cover safeties. Um, he liked little cover corners. You're not a cover corner, but you can cover as a safety. Um, so they was like, hey, Wade's going to move you to safety. And I can't – I still don't remember ever really getting an official call from Wade, like, hey, we're going to move you to safety. It was just when I showed up and I was talking to the DB coach, he was, you know, he gave me the book. He said, start learning the safety position. I was like, okay. And I was, so that's kind of how that happened. It really wasn't a, a big conversation about it. Um, and like I said, we were in the lockout. So um, I just had a playbook and I was just studying it from the set, trying to learn a different defense. And, you know, that was about it, man. It wasn't. It wasn't anything spectacular. I showed up after after the lockout, and we go through training camp, and I'm playing safety, and just like that. It was a totally different position, totally different view, but had to figure it out, man. Dre, he was just speaking on just like the, the position change, kind of tell, kind mm -hmm. of from your perspective, kind of what happened um, with you and that, that that whole transition that happened for you as well. Yeah. So. Uh... I came in playing corner, you know, uh, had a had a one bad game, one really bad game against the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, all guard Macklin, and a lot of guys got hurt. Like I think Kareem was down that game. I think JJ might have been down. So I was actually like starting. I was like, whoa! I came I, I came from on the bench, you know, just playing first team to you know becoming the starters. So I'm like, whoa! Let me <laughs> let me really get let me get right right now because you know in the league, man, you, you're not expecting just to you know become a starter. You know what I mean? Right. But, you can't. You can't. It, it, it happened. It happened all the time. Yeah. And I wouldn't. I would mentally prepare for that. And I, after that game, I never. I never was like unmentally prepared. Like I was ready to play every game. But that game kind of taught me a lesson that you got to be prepared all the time. Right. After that game, I know I had a bad game. Talked to the coach. He's like, "Yeah, you got to do better." And I'm like, "You're right." So uh, the next year, you know, we had a couple safety guys. You know, they had cut. Um, they let um, DJ Sprinter go. They let DJ go, and they let. I think D Man was there, but I think he I think he might have retired. I don't know what happened with D Man, but just we, we, we had no safety really. So they're like, Can you play safety? Can you play? I'm like, yeah, I can play. Like, why not? You know, because like, like I said, I always like I, I read I know I know the play with, like back in my hand. Even as a rookie, like I, I that's all that's what I would do. Like football is my my thing. So right. I made sure I knew the whole playbook. And uh, they asked me, like, yeah, I can do it. And uh first day of practice, you know, when I did I play safety, they're like, okay, you probably can do it. And then they 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 kind of didn't really believe in me, you know, because I still wouldn't start and I wouldn't have started. But uh, it came to one game we were playing against the um, Jacksonville Jaguars, and I was the backup safety to uh, Raheem Moore at the time, and he wow. wasn't playing well. And then I was like, oh, we can't really do this. So uh, Q Dempsey, you know, you know Q Dempsey, yep. he was there, and you know Q Dempsey he a baller man, so he was on the field, and uh, he was hurt that game too. So I, I had to play. So they, I, my first start was against was against um, Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I go out there and catch two picks to get a pick six. In my first start. That's great. I'm like, whoa, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, damn, I finally, you know, I finally got an opportunity to play. And I, I finally got an opportunity to show y'all what I can do. Because I was right. doing it the whole time. Like, I'm out, I'm out there in practice balling out. But they didn't they didn't think it would translate to the football field. But it did. Right. And, uh, after that game, I became a starter. And like I said, I ain't, I ain't look back, man. That's how it is, man. You get that opportunity, man. You just got to take advantage of it, man. And and like you said, like, most most of the time, people don't think that it can happen that fast. You know, they don't think that you know it, it it happens, and people get that opportunity. And fortunate enough for you, like you said, you was able to transition and play a different position. But what if you couldn't play safety? Your career and probably in Houston as a as a corner would have been over. Now you would have had to try to go and figure out how to play corner somewhere else, and that's how a lot of careers just get derailed. Luckily, and, and you know, good thing for you, you you had the ability to move to safety, 
and they gave you a second chance and you learned from that first experience and you was ready to go. Right. So that's the thing it, in the league, man, you're one play, you know, you're one play from being the guy mm-hmm. and you might not think that, but so you go into a game on Sunday and you're the, you're the fourth corner. Okay. Well, three of them going to be on the field at one time at the nickel. Mm-hmm. So one of them get hurt. Now you're on the field. Just like that, like you're on the field, so it happens fast, man. And and I'm sure most of the, most of the people in the league will have a similar story. That hey, I was this, this, and that. Somebody got hurt. I had to go in. I mean, you even look at Tom Brady. Like somebody get hurt. I got to go in, and the next thing you know, you prepare, you play well, and you just never give it back because the minute you get hurt, guess what? Somebody's lurking, ready to have that same story. (laughs) Hey, man, GQ got hurt. You know, he couldn't play, and, you know, I got opportunity, and boom, right? So that's that's just how it is, man. So it's crazy, man, but. That's how it happens, man. That's literally how it happens. And, I, again, I I know that, you know, Dre's story is very similar in the kind of things that you guys kind of, the the way things happen for both of you guys is very similar, man. But I know that you kind of transitioned and you kind of started from that point on. Let's talk about, you know, when it came down to contract talks, because I've heard, you know, different conversations about your situation and, you know, you wanting to stay in Houston, um, but kind of talk about that when they, you know, when that opportunity came and kind of how that that process was for you. Um, Yeah, man. So I I wanted to stay in Houston. Like I loved it here. I, I even loved Houston before I even got signed. I used to come out here a lot as a kid. So I wanted to live here you know, even when I was done playing. So um, I wanted to stay here. I felt like I had started hitting my stride. Um, I was playing well. And it's con- it's contract time. And like I said, I understood the business at that point in time. Like I understood the business of football. I understood the contracts. I understood the numbers. And so, like I said, coming off the lockout year, we signed J- Jonathan Joseph. Gave him like forty five mil. Ooh. They signed D Man. They gave him like four for twenty. So they gave him like five a year. We had drafted Kareem. He was a first rounder. So I already knew if I if they were gonna re-sign me, somebody was gonna have to go because that was just gonna be too much money tied up into the secondary, right? So I knew that. Um but I wanted to stay and they were, you know, kind of dragging me along, feel, making me feel like they were going to resign me. Okay. So we're going through and, you know, Rick Smith is trying to, you know, just kind of talking to me unofficially after practices, like, Hey man, we're going to try to get the deal done. This and this and that, yada, yada, yada. So I was just like, all right, cool. You know, so I go and play my whole, my last year, then my fourth year there season gets over. You know, I had like, I had a, a good year. And um, now I'm a free agent. And I didn't hear one thing from the Texans. Not one. Now I heard rumors the Texans are going to try to do this. They want to do that. But I got not one single offer from the Texans. I was hearing like, hey, man, they might franchise you. And this was just not from them, but just, you know, through just different little sources. Hey, man, the Texans might franchise you nothing right so then i think i was the first year that they started doing a little opening window for free agency where you know teams can call you like you know three days or whatever that was in advance before free agency actually opens up and so my agent was like um when that time opened up you know he got a call from you know the detroit Lions early and I was like, Detroit, jeez, you know, I wasn't trying to go to Detroit at that time. And I'm like, Detroit, um, you know, and just going through that, he, he, he would tell me about the teams and he was like, you know, these teams are calling you. And he was like, um, but what they're saying is in order for them to sign you, like you're like the second guy on their list far as like signing, they won't like a old lineman. And if they can get the O-lineman, then they can only offer you this much. If they don't get the O-lineman, then they can offer you this much. And so it was kind of just like, all right, man, 
whatever. Like who who wanted me? To, but so Detroit wanted me to come out like immediately. So like they actually like once free agency opened up because even though they were doing like the little open window, you couldn't really do anything with the team yet. So they had already told me they wanted me to come out on a visit. They already had told me like what flight they wanted to put me on, like all that good stuff. They couldn't book it until free agency started. So they had told me they was going to have me on a five o'clock flight at three o'clock Houston time when the window opened up. Boom. They sent me an itinerary like 305. I already had my bags packed. So I just went to the airport and I'm flying to Detroit. And after talking with my agent, the whole time I'm flying out there was just basically to like, just use it as bait to get other teams to be like, okay, man, we, if we want to get in, we better, you know, pick up the offers because Detroit want me. And so I'm flying to Detroit and I had no intentions of signing in Detroit, man, honestly. And I'm out there and really nothing that happened on my visit would have warned me to sign. It was crazy in the hotel. It was crazy at the airport. It's crazy at the facility. Like nothing really happened for me to be like, oh yeah, I can't wait to come to Detroit. Um, and so I'm sitting there that day and, you know, I'm hitting my talking to my agent and I was like, um, you know, Detroit had made me an offer, you know? And so I hit my agent up and I told him, I was like, all right, Detroit made me an offer. He, he knew what the offer was. I was like, I want to stay in Houston though, bro. I was like, I got my house there. My family, like I want to live in Houston. I was like, hit the Texans up and tell them if they match, if they match the offer, then I'll stay. Even though it was, it was, uh, you know, a little less than what they had gave D-Man because I had told him at first, I can't come back making less than what D-Man was making because I felt like I was the future. I was telling D-Man what to do on the field. And I'm sitting there like, I'm the younger guy. I'm, I'm the future. Like, I can't come back making less than D-Man. Like, I just couldn't do it. And so I told them, like, hey, let me get, let me get you know, this right here, and I'll come back. When my agent told them that, I, I don't know how it happened. This is what the rumor was to me, what, what was told to me from my agency. Rick Smith leaked to ESPN that I had agreed to terms with the Detroit Lions. So if there's footage out there, you can see at the bottom of ESPN that it says, and I've seen it, Glover Quinn has agreed to terms with the Detroit Lions. And I called my agent. I'm like, I haven't agreed to terms, right? So then it goes back across the screen. Glover Quinn has not agreed to terms with the Detroit Lions. And then I'm talking to my agent and, you know, just talking about options or whatever. And he's like, you know, you can take the deal from Detroit. He's like, you can wait. And, you know, you may get something better. You may not. And at that point, it just kind of hit me. It was like, you know what, man? All my life, I've always been the guy that I just wanted to prove people that believe in me right. Like, people that wanted me, that's that's where I wanted to be. You know, when it came to New Mexico, they wanted me. That's where I wanted to be. At the first school that tried to recruit me was Mississippi State. I was a I was going to be a Mississippi State bulldog uh, if that wouldn't have happened. And so I was like, you know what, man? The Texans wanted me. I tried to give everything I had to the Texans. I said the Lions was the first team to call me when the window opened up. They flew me out here. This 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 visit hasn't been great, but they want me bumping, man. I'm going to sign with the Detroit Lions. And so that's how I end up signing with Detroit. And I'm flying home. And, like, I was literally, like, crying because I was just like, oh, my gosh, man. Like, I just signed in Detroit, you know. <laughs> and I went home, man, and talked with my wife. And, you know, we, we made the transition, man. And honestly, man, it's probably one of the best decisions I ever made, man. Like, it was a great six years I had in Detroit. It was fun, you know. But it ended up kind of being like my high school, like my college kind of felt like 
it was about fighting for respect for the Detroit Lions, man. Like trying to make them a respectable team, a respectable organization, respectable defense, all those different things that I felt like I had been fighting for, for on every team that I've been on. Um, so I felt like I was, I was, I was up for the task and, and, you know, like I said, it was a good six year run. I think we've done some great things, you know, it's headed in a different direction now, but you know, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of happy with where we were when I was there. Yeah, bro. So I was able to stay with one team my whole career. And I thought yeah. that, was pretty, that was pretty cool, man. But uh, how, how did it feel signing a, a big contract in a, in a whole new city, man? Did you feel like a lot of pressure? You know what? I did, man. I, I did. Um, you know, because, you know, you're coming in and, and they're bringing you in. Martin Mayhew had told me that he wanted me to come in and be, you know, the guy to change the culture. But not only that. They had Louis Demos, who had been a good safety for them at the time, and he wanted to get paid, and they didn't pay him. And so I'm coming in as the safety that they paid, but I didn't have a huge name in the league at the time. So they're like, who is this guy? You know what I'm saying? You didn't pay Lou, but you paid him. And so it was a lot of hate when I came in there, bro, like from other players. Like when I signed, I didn't hear, I didn't hear from nobody on the team for like three weeks. Nobody like – hit me up like welcome to the squad like nothing it was just I was like wow this is it was kind of crazy but I didn't know maybe that was what it was supposed to be I had never been through that situation so it was just kind of it just kind of was weird to me man and I I showed up on my first day and it was still weird like I was the highest paid you know guy that they had that signed but I also signed with Reggie Bush so Reggie Bush was getting all the the hype all the you know whatever everybody knew Reggie and this and this and that and I was just kind of like, all right, you know, whatever. Like, I don't care about that mess. I'm, I'm just here to play ball. You know what I'm saying? So I felt the pressure, man, to come in and and try to change it. And so I had to, I had to carry a lot on my shoulder, man. I had to deal with a lot of hate, a lot of, a lot of people that you know didn't want, you know, me probably to succeed. But I always show love to to my teammates, man. Like, you know, nobody can say that they felt hate for me, even though I knew and people literally told me, man, such and such was talking about you like this, this and that, such and such mad because you doing this and you getting that. And when it came down to it, I still was trying to help Buddy out and I still was trying to do this because at the end of the day, I told him, I was like, I don't know why you guys mad at me. I didn't call Detroit and tell them to sign me. They called me and said they wanted me. So obviously you guys are not doing something that they like. So you ain't got no reason to be mad at me. Be mad at yourself and get to work. Like, and I left it at that. Man, I, I you know, first <laughs> of all, there's a couple of different things that kind of stood out to me just having that conversation because again, that's so many moving parts when you're talking about signing players and bringing guys in. Um, uh, that that plays a factor into to the to the process. So just like even hearing a guy named like Lewis, Lewis, I played against him in high school, so he's from Miami down south. So mm-hmm. you know, I kind of watched him watched him a little bit. But at the same time, one of my university alumni ended up signing with Detroit, uh, Rasheem Mathis. So yeah. I, so I will watch you guys. I will watch you know from you know definitely wanting to support my guys. Um, but 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 tell me how how it felt to kind of walk in that environment to to you know understand that. that it was a kind of split locker room. Things just happened in the locker room, but to come out and have the Pro Bowl season that you had and to, to have the success you have, t- t- tell me a little bit about that season and kind of how, to, how, that, you know, how that made you feel. So the, the Pro Bowl year, man, was, it was so crazy, man. It was, dude, it was crazy. So my first year in Detroit, I started out on a Pro Bowl, like, trajectory bro like this was probably going to be my first year in Detroit I first four games I I already had two picks um I had fumble recovery like balling in the first two games so that felt great right to be a guy that they signed you came in at high expectations the first game we played I ended that game with a pick against Minnesota the second game we played, I caught a, uh, I, uh, had a fumble recovery against Washington. Then the fourth game we played, division game against Chicago, had another pick, took it back to like so like our the two divisional games, right? Minnesota and Chicago picks, right? Big time plays. So I'm off to a crazy start, man. And in the Chicago game, bro, I literally tore my ankle like almost 
off the bone. I had a grade three tear on the inside ligament, no, on the outside ligament, grade three tear. So it was like flapping at each other, no ligament stability. The inside ligament had a grade two tear, so it was almost tore. I had uh, torn cartilage in the front of my ankle, um, bone bruises. Like, man, it was awful, bro. And I played through that trash, man, for 12 games, man. Probably the worst pain that I've ever experienced, man. It was crazy. My ankle was literally the size of, like, a cantaloupe the mm. next week, man. Like, well, maybe not a cantaloupe. Maybe, like, a grapefruit. It was it was big. But the thing that it made me play that next week is in week five, we was playing against the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. And I've always wanted to play at Lambeau Field. Mm. And so I did so much treatment so much everything man to try to get myself to play man and i'm you talking about limping oh my gosh it was the worst pain ever bro but i made it through the green bay game and once i made it through that game it was like all right well i didn't sit out for that game so i can't sit out the next game so then it just became this whole routine of getting up super early trying to get treatment because I wasn't one of those guys that was like, hey, I'm going to miss meetings because I got to get treatment or, hey, I can't go to the weight room because I got treatment. It was just like, if I got to be in the weight room at five at 6.30, I got to be in the treatment room at 5 o'clock. So I had to fight with the, with the organization to get the training room to open up because the training room didn't open up to 6.30. I'm like, well, I got 7 o'clock meetings, so I got to get my workout in before the meetings. And I got to get my treatment in. Y'all can't show up at 6.30. Y'all got to show up earlier. Your job is to get me ready to play. So if I'm willing to be here at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, y'all need to have somebody here. Open up. Like, what, what are we doing? And, and like, like I said, those were some of the battles that I felt like I had to fight to help the organization. Because I'm sitting here like, bro, it's 6.30. Like, we could have been, had a whole hour of treatment going by 6.30. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Me starting at 7 o'clock, you want me to show up at 6.30 to get treatment? That's only 30 minutes, bro. So, dealt with all that, and it changed, right? You know, they would show up early. I'm like, hey, I'm here early. I'm staying late because I'm trying to get ready to play on Sunday. Y'all need to have somebody here. And that worked out. So, I was able to play through that whole season, man. That was that, – that hurt it. Had surgery that offseason. Come back. We changed coaches. Coach Caldwell came in. And we got new DB coaches. And, you know, they had heard good things about me. Obviously, I was like super ecstatic to have Coach Caldwell and his staff. And so that offseason, bro, they literally didn't make me do any – like, I didn't do any OTAs. I didn't do any mini camp. They were just like, no, nah, you need to get your anchor back right. So, like, I literally would ride the bike during, you know, OTAs and workouts. I didn't do conditioning. Nothing, man. It was – the best thing ever, actually, like not having to put all those miles on my body in the offseason. And the coach would always ask me, you know, DB coach, are you as good as they say? And I would just always like, man, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I ain't the type of person to talk about what I can do. Like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to let you make that decision for yourself. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm going to let you decide, man. You know, I'm going to go out and do what I do. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. You know, and that was just kind of my mentality. I was never like a brown noser. I wasn't going to your office to hang out with you so you can like me. I wasn't, you know, calling you all the time. The only thing I did do that maybe, you know, whatever. Remember when I told you guys, when I signed in Detroit, nobody called me to welcome me to the team, right? So when we hired, when they hired Coach Caldwell and his staff, I literally called Coach Caldwell, and he didn't answer the phone. Obviously, I left a voicemail. But I just wanted to welcome him to Detroit. When we hired the DB coaches, I called them and, like, just said, you know what, man, I don't know you guys. Y'all don't know me. And, and I told him, I said, I'm not a brown-nosing type guy. That's just not who I am. But I know what it feels like to go to a different place and nobody hear from you. So I'm supposed to be one of the leaders in the team. I'm going to welcome you guys to the DB room. I'm going to welcome you guys to Detroit. 
and I'm excited to work for you guys. And I left it at that, you know what I'm saying? And still to this day, my DB coach, who I got a great relationship with now, was like, that right there, that call that you made meant a lot to him. And, you know, we just built that relationship organically through the way I worked. You know, he pushed me to be a, a better player. I pushed him to be a better coach. And we just built a great working relationship. And then it grew into a relationship outside of football, just families and stuff like that. But it was built organically, man. So going into that season, like I said, I was always a better player when I felt like, you know, people believed in me. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just, I just never wanted to let them down. You know what I'm saying? So for Coach Caldwell to believe in me, for the DB coach to believe in me, like, I just didn't want to let them down. And so I came out that year, man, and it was crazy, man. I caught a pick. I think I caught a pick in the first game against the Giants on Monday night. I caught a pick. And then for the next couple of weeks, man, it was kind of quiet at the safety. And remind you, I was used to playing in the action and down in Houston. I was at the nickel. I was at the dime. Like, I was down in the action. And then my first year in Detroit was my first year not being in the action. But – me and Lou was playing left and right. So there was a lot of times where I was down in the box because I was just, you know, lined up to that side. And then when I got with the next staff, I was basically just the free guy the whole time because they had signed uh, James Ahedebo, who was a true strong safety. And so I was just stuck in the middle the whole time. And I was like, man, this right here is not, this ain't, this ain't where it's at to me because I wasn't in the actions for the next couple of games. And so I talked to the coach. I was like, Coach, I got to get some action, man. You got to find a way to put me down in a box, man. And so he put me in a box for a game. I played some nickel for a game. And it was fun, you know. And then, you know, we come back week uh, – I think it was week six. We playing Minnesota. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm playing safety, obviously. And, boom, I catch a pick. So now six games in, I got two picks. Come back the next week, I catch another pick against Drew Brees. Help us win the game against the Saints. So now it's week seven. I got three. I'm like, okay. So we go to Atlanta, had another big game against uh, Atlanta in uh, London. Didn't catch a pick, but I had some major tackles against Julio Jones, who's probably one of the scariest guys in the league to me. Um, But balling, right? Come back, play two games, no picks. Next thing you know, we go, we got a home game. We had a three game home stretch. We played. Uh, Chicago, I think, on Thanksgiving. Pick. We came back the next week. We played Tampa. I had a sliding one-handed pick on the sideline. So now that was five. I was like, dang, I got five picks. Come back the next week, playing Minnesota. I caught another pick. That was six. I was like, oh, snap. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't even asking to go down to the, in the box no more. I'm like, bro, I can sit back out here and catch these picks, and I ain't got to keep tackling these big running backs and hurting myself. Nah, bro, you can have that. I'm standing in the deep middle because I was making plays, and then I was like, hey, this, this, is, this is freaking heaven to me. And so come back the next week, we playing Chicago in Chicago. Caught another pick. So I caught a pick four weeks in a row. Went from three to seven. And it was crazy, man. That's all I can say. It was crazy. You know, being able to make those plays. Like I said, I could always read the quarterbacks. I was just never really in position to make the play because I was either a dime and I'm seeing balls getting thrown deep. And I'm like, dude, we could have had a pick right there, but we weren't making the plays. So to, to be able to get there and make those plays, man, and, and then get recognized to go to the to Pro Bowl, get voted in, um, you know, and I got my thoughts on that, you know, to get all pro, you know, it was just, it was just a huge accomplishment. It made me feel like, you know, what the way, the way I do things, the way, you know, what I stand for, you know, what you may not get it every year, but you know, sometimes it works out for the good guys. Yeah, bro. That's what's up, bro. You, I, I remember that season. That was 2016 14. or 17. That was 14. It was, it was a 14 I, season, 15 pro. Yeah. Yeah. 14. Yeah. That was my first year with the Texans. And yep. uh, you you balled out like bro. He he was him last. I'm like oh okay. <laughs> that's, that's number twenty nine. I, I see him on film sometimes. I'm like okay that's twenty nine. But uh yeah, but he balled out that year, man. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like I said, you, you deserve that, bro. You deserve that Pro Bowl because like, I I won the Pro Bowl one day. You know I I just I probably ain't played long enough. But 
you just I, I know that feeling of like I had I had three picks in, in three weeks too. I, I had two against Jacksonville and I had like two more like the week after another. Like it was like uh, you're on a roll, you know. I, I know I know that feel like you're on a roll, man. Like you you're right. in that zone, bro, and you just feel like everything coming to you. And that's like, that's like one of the best feelings ever, bro. And uh I had that feeling before, man. Uh, it's a great feeling though. Sure great feeling for sure. What's up, hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Shoot, yeah. You say you had some thoughts on the, the Pro Bowl thing. You want to kind of talk about that or just make mention about what you're saying? And, and... Well, I mean, I just kind of felt like, you know, the Pro Bowl stuff was, um, you know, it was just obviously everybody knows, you know, political and all that good stuff. Um, but I felt like 2017, I had probably my best season. Um, 2014, obviously I led the league in picks, but 2017 probably was my best season overall. You know, I, I only had three picks. I had a pick six. I had like three or four forced fumbles. Um, but just overall season, big time plays, game changing plays, timing of plays. I thought that was probably one of my better seasons. And, you know, I was, I was responsible for eight turnovers that year. And I got, voted the fourth Pro Bowl alternate behind, like, Cam Chancellor, who got love for Cam, but he only played in, like, seven games that year, right? And so kind of like what happened with Andre with the Senior Bowl happened to me with the Pro Bowl. I was a fourth alternate. They end up calling me the week of the Pro Bowl and was like, Hey, uh, such and such, not coming to the Pro Bowl. You know, do you want to come? You know, the GM called me from Houston. I mean, from uh, Detroit, and was like, you know, such and such, whatever. You know, you was an alternate at the Pro Bowl. Do you want to go? They they called for you, and I was just like, man, honestly, nah, I don't want to go, man. I'm just being honest, which I was like. I felt like I should have been like a first round, I mean, like a first, you know, guy pro bowler that year. And you're going to make me a fourth alternate. And now you're going to call me on Monday, the week of the pro bowl. So now I got to like try to pack up my family, like make all these plans, the date, like to be able to leave tomorrow. Nah, bro, I ain't going out there. I ain't, I'm not just jumping on somebody's like, Nah, bump that. Nah, I don't want to go. So I turned it down. And that was that. And that's just kind of how I felt about the Pro Bowl. Like, I, I, I felt like it was so many different ways that they can do the Pro Bowl to make it so much better, man, in my opinion. And, and reward the players, you know. I'm going to tell you this real quick. I was like, you know, you look at an a, a artist, right? Uh, a artist, musical artist. I said – it's a huge deal for those guys to be, you, you look at they, they, you know, they bio, they might have on there, this guy was a 18 time Grammy nominee, right? He might've only won a Grammy one time. He may never even won a Grammy, right? But he's an 18 time Grammy nominee. What does that mean? That mean 18 times somebody felt like he did something that was Grammy worthy, either a great song, a great album. He did something that was worthy of a Grammy. No, he didn't actually win the Grammy, but he did something. And that's on his resume, 18-time Grammy nominee. Even those guys, 18-time Oscar nominee. They, make a, they have a big celebration for the nominations for the Oscars and the Grammys. That's what it's about, right? So I was like, why not do that for the Pro Bowl, right? Why not have it for, you know, everybody shouldn't be on the Pro Bowl ballot, right? Like, why are people on the Pro Bowl ballot that got 
six tackles on the season. Like, what are they – like, why is that uh, extra name just taking up space? I'm like, why not? I'm like, fans don't need eight weeks to vote. How can somebody say they had a Pro Bowl season after eight weeks anyway? It's only eight weeks. I'm like, fans don't need eight weeks to vote. I'm like, at week 12, have a nomination show. At by week – by 12 games, you should be done said – you should be able to see – who's had a Pro Bowl caliber, who's having a Pro Bowl caliber year, right? They don't play 12 games. Have a nomination show. Have, you got writers, you got scouts, you got coaches, you got all these people that watch all these games that know football that should be able to compile a list of 10 players almost at every position to say, these guys right here, these are the nominees for your defensive backs in the NFC for the Pro Bowl. These guys are having a great season. Now the fans got three weeks. You get to vote for those guys. And at the end of the day, now, even though you might not get voted to the Pro Bowl, when you go to contract negotiations, guess what? Hey, man, I'm a five-time Pro Bowl nominee. Now, I never made it in because the fans didn't put me in. But the world saw me as the, the, the people that know football saw me as somebody that's been that's been balling for five seasons. So you can't hold that against me at contract negotiation and be like, oh, you never made the Pro Bowl. Nah, you know why I didn't. The fans didn't put me in, but you voted me as a Pro Bowl nominee. And that helps the players out. And it makes you feel it makes it more important about the game because now it's an honor just to be nominated on the ballot. Mm-hmm. It's not everybody make the ballot just because I've got a jersey on. Right. You know what I'm saying? It should be an honor to make the Pro Bowl. It should be an honor to do that stuff. But I told them that. They didn't want to listen to me. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, I definitely agree, man. I definitely um, understand that, that. That makes a whole lot of sense because, again, it gives you more leverage in the fact that you're being recognized by the people who really – no football, you know what I mean, to be able to just give you that honor recognition. So I, I, I agree. I, that definitely should be something they should implement. Um, but I want to kind of go into a little bit. I know we've been going for a little bit, um, but I want to just kind of tap into the, to, to some stuff, man. So you've been fortunate enough to sign a couple nice contracts and play for a while. You know, talk a little bit about the money perspective, right, the understanding, like, you know, because I know a, dealing with a lot of the rookies coming in and talking with guys – a lot of times these guys have no understanding of how money works or how, or, or how the money works in the NFL. So talk a little bit about maybe, you know, what you was either able to learn at some point, or even if you came in with the, you know, the great concept of understanding how and what you needed to do with your money. Um, you know, I didn't come in understanding and knowing everything. I just came in understanding and knowing that this is how I've been my whole life. You know, I, I didn't grow up with a lot. And so a lot of times you have players who don't grow up with a lot and then they get money, they feel like they got to have everything. I was the type of person that was like, I've never had that stuff, so I don't really need it now. Like, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I don't need five cars. I I mean, I need one car. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't drive all five of them at one time. You know, let me get me a vehicle that I can have. My wife get a vehicle and we're good, you know? Um, And so that's just kind of how it was. And like, you know, when I was younger, I used to ask my dad for money all the time. And then I ended up getting a job. And then I quit the job because they weren't paying me enough money that I felt like they was working me way too hard for what they was paying me. And I was just like, this is not what it's supposed to be like. And so I put in my two weeks notice, like I'm gonna go do something else. Found a different job that was paying me better. So it's cool, I went out to college. And when I got to college, I couldn't work. So I was asking my dad for money, right? So my dad would give me money. And when I say money, it's like, you know, $30 a week. And but for me, I wasn't spending the money, you know what I'm saying? So it was adding up. And so then when I went to New Mexico, I told myself, I'm like, you know what, man? I need to learn how to, like, manage my own money. You know, I need to learn how to do all this stuff. So I'm going to stop asking my dad for money. I'm getting my little scholarship check. You know, I'm going to find my job out here. And I'm going to stop asking my dad for money. So that's what I did. I stopped. And, you know, and I had one summer out there. I was dead broke, man. I had no money. You know, I didn't get my scholarship check that summer because something happened with one of my classes. So I was, like, literally dead broke, man, like, even, like, in the negative. Um, and, you know, I was able to figure out a way to get out of it. 
the next time I got my job back and, you know, I worked a little bit, but I didn't want to ask my dad for money. I wanted to, I wanted to figure it out. And so I'm out in college, bro. I didn't, I couldn't, I was riding a bike to school cause I didn't have gas money. You know what I'm saying? Just, I was eating the freaking snacks that they would give us at football after practice. I would take a lot of the snacks just to put in my backpack. So I would have stuff to eat throughout the day because we only got one meal for training table. So that was the only meal that I was eating. So the rest of the time I'm having to eat my little snacks or I would like have a dollar or something and go to like Wendy's and get, you know, a junior bacon cheeseburger, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to figure it out and not want to call and ask somebody for, for help. And so when I got to the league, man, it was just, it was crazy, man. That helped me a lot, you know? And even after I got drafted, being home, you know, I told you I was home for three weeks after I got drafted. So being home for three weeks and being in the NFL, but still being broke, like I didn't have any money, right? But everybody thinks you got money now because you've got drafted. They think you got drafted and you all of a sudden are a millionaire now. And I'm just like, nah, bro, I'm broke. Like, I ain't got a dime to my name right now. <laughs> like, I'm still at home. And, um, you know, so when I came out here to Houston, you know, when I signed my I, – I did everything direct deposit. I was like, you know, I don't even want to, like, touch a check. Like, everything was direct deposit. So when I signed my contract, you know, I went back to New Mexico, brought my wife back. You know, we got, ended up getting married. Um, you know, my signing bonus hit. I woke up one morning. I looked at it right, right before practice. It was training camp. I wake up. I look at my bank account. Before I even got out of bed, because I knew what day was supposed to hit, I wake up. First thing I did, grab my phone, go to my banking app, open up. It was there. I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> it's like it was like two hundred fifty-two k, and I was like, "Wow!" But what's crazy is I was more like thinking about the amount of taxes that they took out because I'm like, "Bro." They took out more money in this one check than my parents make in like 10 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, they took out, it was my, my signing bonus was 490 and they cashed 252. So I'm like, these cats took out almost 140 racks. Like, you know how long it takes my mom to make $140,000? They took that out in one check. That was kind of like my thought process. I wasn't even worried about the 250, but. Like I said, I went to work and I left all that in the bank. I ain't even mess with it. Like, you know, put half of it up and, uh, you know, I bought a, ho a house out here. And and I was just kind of like that guy. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to trade my 20s in. I'm going I'm to grind because I knew I only wanted to play 10 years. That's all I wanted to play ever because I knew I wanted to have a life after. I wanted my kids. I wanted that stuff. And I wanted to, you know, be able to do whatever it is I wanted to do when I was done. So I was like, you know what? I got to save as much money as I can, make as much money as I can and get out of here, man. And so that's what I did, man. We saved, we saved, we, you know, we live, we live a good life, but it's a modest life, you know? Um, and, you know, when, when I signed in Detroit, it was still like, wow, we just signed a good contract. Now it's really time to save, 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 save. You know, we lived a little better, but it was still like, okay, this is what we're doing. We invested, did some things like that. And when, when my 10 years came, I was like, I'm ready. Like, we're good. Money-wise, we're good. I built, we built the house at the right time. Like, we're good. Our lifestyle that we built, we're good. I have no reasons to stick around. You know, I didn't want to be one of those guys that, feel like I got to play an extra three or four years just because I blew so much money in my first three or four years. And I'm trying to make that money back up. So it was good for me, man. And I have no regrets uh, walking away and, and the way I lived in my twenties, the sacrifices that I made because now I'm 34, man. And I get to enjoy my life, do whatever it is I want to do. And it's cool. Man, I commend you on that. And it's crazy. Like I said, man, you and Dre, have so much similarities and I'll let him speak to that. But just being in the league and seeing so many guys come in, right. And, you know, step into this type of money that, like you said, coming from college, they weren't, you know, they weren't having money. They come from family that didn't have money, but then they come to the league and then they have to live up to the expectations or the facade that a lot of guys put out there. Now understanding that you may be in a locker room with a guy that's the highest paid player on the team, or maybe one of the top highest played in the league. You're trying to compete with him on as a rookie. You know what I mean? Like you got a rookie contract. Like you said, 
the signing bone and half of that is gone, right? They took half right. of that already from, you know, with taxes. So now you don't bought a Lamborghini or you don't bought a $150,000 car. You don't bought your mom a house. Your rookie salary is four fifty. You know what I mean? Like you, you're going to be playing catch up for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Like you got to, and I think a lot of guys come in the league and they're not prepared for that. They don't have an understanding about that. So then, you know, before you know it, like you said, they got to continue to play because they got to make up that money they spent. And Dre, like I said, mm-hmm. Dre had a, a similar story, just how, how long he wanted to play and just kind of speak to that, Dre. Um, speak, speak, speak about that. Yeah, so I see why you are how you are because of your, your college experience, how you had to – you was broke. You know what I mean? I, I was the same thing. My college, Vanderbilt, did they, they cared about football, but they didn't even care about football. So, like, they ain't giving – like, we ain't get no scholarship check. We ain't get none of that stuff. We got, like – I stayed off campus one summer, my sophomore year, and uh, that's that's that 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 that, that two months taught me uh, so much because I was broke and we had to, we had to work, I had to work, I had to uh, go to class, had to work out, and I had to uh, had to feed myself right. and and pay my bills. So all my bills, all my all my little work money went to my bill. So I'm like, dang, I don't have no money to eat. So we'll we'll put the money together and go go get church's chicken, like a dollar yeah. nine nine special every night. I'm like, bro, this is I can't live like this. I cannot live like this. So that's why. I had to like really grow up. And I grew up so much in college, and when I got to the league, I already knew what was up. I said, "Man, I'm I'm telling no to my mama, I'm telling no to my sisters, I'm telling no to my daddy because I know what this money gonna do. I know what this money gonna do. I know how much it's gonna take out of my taxes. Like, you know, what I mean, you don't you don't learn that growing up. You don't learn nothing about money growing up. Right. And like, that's probably the, the most saddest thing ever. Like, kids learn about money first place. No question. Like, so you so you no can question. be you know, you know, so you can live in this life. This this world is crazy, and they they teach us the wrong stuff. So learning that in college actually got me ready for the NFL. So when I did get my, my big payday, I was like, you know what? I'm buying me a house. I don't, I don't need three. Like I said, I don't need three cars. Like I'm by myself. Right. <laughs> I don't need all that. Like, right. I'm good. But you don't understand that if you if you like been baby all your life, if you like you go to LSU, you go to Alabama, these guys be getting money all their life. So mm-hmm. they're like, okay, well, this is another check I'm getting. I'm just gonna spend it. And they don't right. understand the process of making money and, and spending money the right way. And I, I kind of like, I, I figured out that in college, like I learned in college how to, how to use my money, how to save my money. And I'm so thankful for it because I was able to retire after five years. Like, I was like, right. I don't play no more. I don't got to keep, like you said, you ain't going to keep on playing. You want to keep on going out there hitting people all the time. Like, you think, <laughs> I don't live, live my life. I don't spend time with my kids. You was able to do that shit. Like, a lot of guys can't do that. A lot of guys can't, can't sit back and like, okay, I'm going to stop playing. I want to stop playing because they spend so much money. And like, I got to keep on playing to get money back. And then it's, 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 it's a mindset, man. Mm-hmm. If your mindset kind of jacked up in the first place, and you're never gonna get right. You gotta change right. how you think about money, man. And that's what a lot of guys don't do. They don't change their mindset about money. They kind of have the same mindset they had since they were like kids. Like, oh, yep. it's all gonna go. It's all gonna go. And like, nah, man. Just kind of like change your mindset about how you think about money, and you're gonna be great. But you mm-hmm. don't kind of think we don't, we don't get taught that, man. And it's kind of sad that all these guys you know, they just lose a lot of money, man. It's like, come on, y'all gotta learn, man. When it gonna be time for y'all to learn? And I used to kind of try to preach to people every now and then, but you can't really preach to people. Everybody got to kind of get on their own. You know what I mean? And yep. once you get on your own, then you'd be okay. But a lot of guys don't want to kind of get it because they don't want to put the work in. Because it takes work to kind of get that. Like, it takes you work to kind of to get it. No question, work. man. You got to do a lot of work on yourself, on your mental on your mental self. You got to do it to yourself. But if you're not trying to get better mentally, like, that's what I'm talking about in football. Football don't really prepare you to, for life. It prepares you to play football. That's it. Like football, just prepare you to play football. That's all you think about is, is the league. Okay, I got I to make this next check. I got to do this. Right. I got to do that. I got to make this. I got to make, make sure I know the playbook. I got to make sure I know, you know, my checks. You don't learn about life playing football. And that, that's all we did all our life since we were eight years old. So if you right. don't ever get like the, the teaching that you need, that you need to get, you'll never be, you'll never be, you never become a man, basically. You'll right. be a kid all your life. And that's what happens to a lot of guys. They be, they be kids all their life until they <laughs> leave the league. It's like, What's next? Like what I'm gonna right. do next? Because you never, you never learn. Nobody ever got kind of put you in a situation where you had to learn. And me, we learn in college from being broke, from struggling. And a lot of guys <laughs> yeah. don't go through that. A lot of guys been getting babied all their life, and then bam, oh, what, what I'm gonna do now? Football over with. And yep. that's why I think the league should probably do more. They they say they do more, but they really don't because it's hard to man. It's, you're playing football, man. You're trying to make the team. You're not worrying about right. how, how you gonna spend this money. That's why right. a lot of guys get financial about and then that's probably that's kind of bad too. If you get the wrong one, that's not gonna teach mm-hmm. you how to manage your money. And that's what happened to a lot of guys, bro. And I feel sorry for those guys because they can they, they can actually learn. Like it's, it's not that much to learn. Like pay your own bills, do, and then you learn through through doing it. You know what I mean? But a lot mm-hmm. of guys don't want to put themselves through that, and that's probably the more probably the worst thing that's going on right now in the league. Oh yeah, man. And so many guys, man. You know they don't understand. They don't understand money, man. Like I tell people all the time, people sign a 
you know, just to keep the number simple, keep, people sign a $10 million contract and they start making $10 million decisions. Yeah. You can't make $10 million decisions when you sign a $10 million contract. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see $10 million. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you look at some of these guys that sign those bigger deals and people don't understand the levels of, of being broke, right? People, a lot of people feel like being broke is like no money. I tell people all the time, if you sign, uh, you know, you look at one of some of these guys, they sign a $100 million deal, right? They might get 55, 60 guaranteed. It's a lot of money, right? I said, but if you sign a $100 million deal and you start making $100 million decisions, you get 60 to sign, but you don't play great, right? So after your third year of that deal, they release you. Mm-hmm. So now you only made 60. You thought you was going to make 100, right? But then they taxed that 60, right? So now you only seen 30. You was making $100 million decisions, but you only seen 30. 30 million can't keep up the lifestyle of 100 million. So now, now you're not playing. And you still got all this stuff going on. And people don't realize if you were making a hundred million dollar decisions and now you only have 10, 15 mil, you broke, bro. Yeah. Like you broke. And people are like, no, you still got 15 mil. Yeah, bro, but 15 mil can't cover these hundred million. The dude got four houses. He's paying, you know, two hundred thousand dollars a month in mortgage payments, if not more. He got three cars at every house. He got a house in Miami. He got Lamborghinis. He got a house in LA. He bought his mama a crib. Like his lifestyle, he's spending this much money every single month. That 15 mil gonna be gone in three years, bro. He broke right now. He finna start having to sell stuff. He gotta like try to figure out a way to do stuff because 15 mil cannot cover the decision that you made when you was thinking about a hundred mil. That's why I don't like NFL contracts. I kind of feel like if you're going to sign me to a three year, hundred million dollar deal, but you're only going to get me five year, hundred mil, but you're going to give me 60 guaranteed in the first three. And then you're going to make decisions on whether you want to keep me on the roster or not. Just give me a three year, $60 million deal. And we'll talk about it after that. Now, now I'm going to make $60 million decisions. Well, it really should be 30 million, but, now I know I signed for 60. I'm going to make my 60 and then we'll have to retalk. It's not I signed for 60, but I really only made 22. And then after taxes, I only got 12. Like that's a totally different ball game, man. That's totally different numbers than what the public sees and that what most people think because nobody expects to get hurt after year two and you only made 22, 22 mil. And then taxes hit you for 12, and then you got to pay your agent, you got to pay your fine. Like, that money gone, bro, and now you broke. Absolutely. I, and I agree. I've been saying that for, for a while now. Just do the three-year – like, you see the quarterbacks are doing it now, three-year fully guaranteed deals. Yeah. I mean, you know, the illusion, $100 million, like you said, it makes guys think, yeah, now I'm about to get this $100 million. But I think, you know, again, I can talk about this for days because it's, it's all about the programming. So you get these guys coming in as rookies and, 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 and teach them really you know even limit the money that they have access to and it teaches them how to kind of really budget and understand because again you you it ain't guaranteed so even your rookie deal ain't guaranteed you know what i mean you you can pay two years and and you now but you live in a life like that so it's really just trying to really program and teach these guys and like dre said i don't think the the league ain't really interested in really really teaching us like that teaching guys like that because they want you to play you're here to play they want you to focus on football they make it sometimes be a problem if your focus not 100% on football. They look at it in a negative way. See, th- th- this is what I'm going to say about that. And, th- and this is my true my true feelings. And I'm definitely not, you know, pro-NFL. Like, I feel like they, they are who they are. But I will say this right here. I do feel like they have programs and stuff in place. I think the problem is people are only going to change when they want to do it. Like, they got all these programs and people just don't want to do it. Now, the NFL, they're going to advertise some, this, this, and that. 
But the ones that really want to learn how to manage their money, the ones that really want to learn how to budget, the ones that really want to learn the playbook, those are going to be the ones that enter those programs and they're going to learn. The ones who really don't want to learn, like Andre was saying, sometimes people just got to go through things, right? So those are the guys that if you try to talk to them, they still going to do what they want to do. The NFL can come talk to they blue in the face about all the programs. They ain't going to sign up. They're going to do whatever they want to do because they feel like they know it. And then when they fall flat on their face, then they're going to try to figure out what's going on and be like, man, the lead, man, you know, they ain't had these. No, they did. Like, I remember, like, when I was coming out, when I came out, we had a rookie symposium. I remember going to the rookie symposium, and I learned a ton of stuff. I had a great time at the symposium. But there was so many guys that I was there with and that I saw that was like, man, what are we doing here, man? It's awful, bro. Like, they sneaking out. They trying to leave the sessions, not want to be there. And then when I look at those, some of those same guys now are the guys that didn't have good long careers because of that stuff. Didn't want to dedicate themselves. Didn't want to put in the work that it takes to be great on the field. And so in doing that, to me, you got to put in the work to be great on the field, but you got to have that same pride to want to be great off the field and put in the time. You, What you want to be good at is where you're going to put your time at. And if you want to understand finances, you will. And you will reach out to people, seek help. If you don't, if you just want to live it up, that's what, that's what you're going to do, man. And, and, and I truly feel like that's what the, the NFL knows that. They know that. So they have these programs and they, you know, like I said, they don't really advertise a lot of them, but the ones that really want to know, they go to the NFL or they go to the PA to find out, hey, what programs do we have? What can I get in? What can I do? Who can I talk to? Those, and, and, and it's only a select few guys. A lot of guys don't do that, but a lot of guys in the league that are making a lot of the money are, are black guys that are great, talented people that didn't come from a lot, didn't come from financial background. And they're happy to have a lot of money right now. They're taking care of a lot of people and they're just not interested in learning that stuff. And they feel like they're going to play forever. The money's going to keep coming in. And unfortunately it doesn't. Yeah. Right. And uh, like I said, I, you, you know, it's, you're absolutely right. You, you know, I think once they start to make being smart with smart with your money, cool, it ain't going, it's going to continue to kind of fly right. on your radar. So I know we've been going for a minute and I appreciate you definitely jumping on. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? What's your plans kind of post career? And, uh, you know, if people you know, are looking for you, where they can find you and things like that. Man, what I'm doing now, man, is uh, like I said, man, I, I, I played the way I played so I can do whatever it is I want to do, man. And so that's what I'm doing now. I, I started I started out in videography, doing some stuff, learning videography last year you know, because my kids play baseball and, you know, I generally do like, I record all their games and stuff and put them in little highlight films together. And when I retired, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I want to be good at it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be, you know, I want to know how to make the films and do it right. So I got into videography, taking classes, learning it. And I just fell in love with the camera, man. I just fell in love with the production of it. And, you know, I fell in love with learning, there's so much information that I just didn't know, like just learning everything. And, you know, I spent a lot of time on YouTube doing that. And so in doing that, um, you know, I kind of just started telling stories and I started out on my IG cause I was just like, you know, I got some cool stories that happened in my life. That I just want to tell people, um, and you know what, I'm gonna record it myself and I'm just going to put it on my IG. And so I started out telling the story and this happened over Corona this time is during the COVID. And I just told a story about how I met Lil Wayne when I was in, you know, a sophomore in high school. You know, I didn't really meet him, meet him, but I was walking right next to him taking pictures. You know, he didn't say anything back to me, but you know, I met Lil Wayne. Right. So I told that story on IG and it was cool. Right. Got, got a good reaction. So, and the people was asking for more cause I had a lesson. I had like a little lesson behind it. Right. So then I told a story the next week about how I pick, I caught a pick six getting Matt Ryan. And I told the story behind it, which was so much deeper than the play, but what all went into the play and it had another message behind it. And like, it got like over 11,000 views on IG. So I was like, okay. And everybody was just like asking like, Hey man, like, dude, that was dope. Like we need more of this stuff. I was like, okay. 
So then I told another story about when I had three picks in one game and, and when I was with the Texans, right? The things that I went through leading up to that game and then the game that I had, you know, I caught three picks. I had a broken hand playing with a cast on and I caught three picks in one game. And like I said, the reactions were still like good, but I kind of got like to the point where I was like, you know what, man, I'm putting this stuff on Instagram and I don't know if really, I don't know if people really go to Instagram for like a lot of this type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, people go to YouTube. I, I was thinking about myself. I go to YouTube to learn, to like, to look at longer videos. If I go to YouTube on Instagram, it's hard to get people to click on that button to say, keep watching, you know, for Apple TV, you I mean for IGTV show. I mean, they'll look at the first minute and then after that, it's kind of like, all right, you know, I'm going to the next, I'm just scrolling, right? So I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to start telling my stories and like just direct everything to YouTube. I'm starting my YouTube channel. And at first I was just going to tell stories. And I was like, you know what, man, people are asking for play breakdowns and film and this, and this and that. I said, I'm just going to start like a channel where I just kind of talk football, teach football, talk about different experiences that I dealt with, things that I've learned, you know, have friends, people that I know come on, do like live shows and just just shoot the breeze and talk it up. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna create the DB room because every team I ever played on, the DBs always had the coolest room. You're just the coolest guys on the team. Everybody wanna hang with the DBs, you know? And I was like, we would have guest speakers that come in, you know, do all types of stuff, talk about life, everything, right? So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna create the DB room and put it on YouTube. That's gonna be my channel and I'm gonna teach football, tell stories have cool people come in, go out, see some of my friends that's still playing ball, you know, see how they working out, you know, talk through technique, what they doing, because football is America's favorite sport. So everybody's want to learn, want to know how to play. You know what I'm saying? I look on YouTube and I see some guys making videos and I'm like, first of all, who are these people that are making these videos? Second of all, you know, the the camera and the quality level is low, but they like getting nine hundred thousand views. I'm like, they're, they're looking at this guy. Tell them how to play cover three. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> I was like, so, I mean, if I could, I was like, so if I could be a respectable player that played a long time, and, you know, and try to make high quality videos, why wouldn't I mean people love watching football? They love to learn. So that's what I do now, man. I just go in there and I, you know, talk through coverage, try to teach people the language of football so that they know what they're looking at and they know what people talk about when they say, Hey, we was in cover two and this guy ran a post route. Like a lot of people don't know what that is. You know what I'm saying? They think they know, but they don't really know. You know, like Dre was talking earlier, you know, I was in quarters and, you know, Dre was running the corner. I mean, running the post route and I'm just saying, stay on top, stay on top. Like, what does that mean? Like, I know what that mean, but the average American probably don't know what that means. So, I try to tell them what that means so that when they watch the game or when they hear other people's stories, they have a better understanding of it, man. So it's been fun for me. And like I said, I just sit here in my office and I just make videos, man. That's it. And the name of the show is uh, DB Room. The DB Room. Yeah, just the DB Room. I just, you know, I don't even have, you know, a name of like my show right now. I just call it, the whole channel is called like the DB room. So I tell people, meet me in the DB room. So they come to my YouTube channel, they leave comments. I, I, I respond to everybody. I talk, I don't know, man. And then like when I get ready to have a live guest on, so like, you know, I have like, you know, I put out posts and be like such and such is going to be in the DB room this week, you know, come through. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of have fun with it, man. So that's what I do right now, man. That's it. Go to baseball games with my kids, spend all day at the baseball field and, make videos and sit at the house. Good deal, man. I, and I know you'll be successful with that. Like you did, like you was with everything else. Um, but that's, that's pretty much what I have. Dre, Dre want to close out with anything, Dre? Man, just thank you, bro. Like this, this helped me. You know what I mean? I'm learning from you too. Like I did, I did this podcast too. Cause like, I want to learn too. I love, like you say, I love, I love learning now, bro. Like I read so many books, man. I'm on YouTube all the time. You know, I'm doing stuff to kind of enhance myself. Cause I know I need to like, I think if you ever stop learning, you pretty much dead. You know what I mean? Right. There's stuff always going on. You know what I mean? Stuff oh, always man. constantly moving. So if you're not constantly trying to grow and learn, you're gonna be just you're gonna be left behind. Yeah. So uh, I really appreciate you doing this, bro. This is big time, man. Thank you, bro. Man, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. This is uh, this is dope, man. I like it. I like it. I like talking, man. I like 
like I said, that's one reason why I started my channel to inspire people, to motivate mm -hmm. people, let people know what stuff is really like to tell them, you know, we got a lot of athletes coming up, man. A lot of young people that love YouTube. My kids love YouTube. So I'm like, mm -hmm. man, how do we reach these people? They're not sitting down watching direct TV. They want, they got their phones in their hand. They're watching YouTube. So put the information out there, man. Like, and a lot of guys probably don't want to read a book. They should. They used to tell us, you know what I'm saying? If you want to keep information from a black man, put it in a book, mm -hmm. right? They ain't going to read it. They got their phones in their hand. Everybody's on YouTube. Put the information. Tell them how to do this, how to get better, how to be smart. Tell them different situations. Hopefully they see it, man. And you know how it is, man. If you can inspire one, you know what I'm saying? You, 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 you did your job, man. So. Keep doing it, man. Keep doing your thing, man. It's so cool what y'all doing, man. People got a lot of great stories, man. It's a lot of great guys out there telling, you know, that went through a lot, man. And everybody can learn from, from something, man. So it's pretty cool, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, love. All my life. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice, that's why all my life I've been grinding all my life. Look, I'm married to this guy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.